Welcome back to the Foul Balls podcast for January 9th, 2018. A lot to go through here because we have nine games and some of the trades are going to affect some of the games. So we have, yeah, a few of these are the recent trades. We have obviously the Cleveland trades. Those are really significant. So we'll hit on those. Dwayne Wade back in Miami and then Sacramento also got rid of George Hill. They're on the slate. So that, uh, that's at least one less veteran for them to rest or not rest. So that, uh, that at least makes that a little bit clearer. But just jumping into the games, we have Clippers at the Pistons to start. This is the first game these two teams have played each other since the trade. The Clippers have Tay Dosich and Austin Rivers are both questionable to play tomorrow. If neither one of them can play, also Rivers hasn't played uh, since like December, I think. It's been a really long time. And Tay Dosich has just been in and out with the uh, plantar fasciitis on his foot. If neither one of them could play, then they're just going to have to play, I think, a lot of minutes for Lou Williams, uh, Avery Bradley, Danilo Gallinari, Tobias Harris. Those are going to be really their only wing guys. Uh, I guess they have like Wes Johnson and Ty Wallace also, but they won't play significant roles. So depending on if those guys are in or if those guys are out, then I think that all the wing guys on the Clippers become usable plays. None of them would be terrific, but they'd be in play. And then I think DeAndre Jordan is a pretty solid play at 7,000. That's just really cheap for him. And he's going to have to play a ton of minutes in this matchup against the Pistons frontcourt. Because if DeAndre Jordan's off the court, there is nobody to guard Andre Drummond and Blake Griffin. So I think this could be a game where Jordan plays close to 40 minutes at 7,000. Too cheap for him. From the... Uh, I, I saw Blake Griffin, so I was about to call the Clippers. So from the Pistons side of the game, Stanley Johnson, I still think, is in play at 5,100. They did trade for James Ennis today. He's going to help them with a little bit of depth on their wing because... The, the minutes for them, they've had to play Stanley Johnson close to 40 minutes a lot of the game since they made trades just because they're so thin. And we're going to see one more game of that from Stanley Johnson until Ennis is able to play. So Drummond and Blake Griffin, I think, are both a bit too expensive. There's other guys I prefer to pay up for, but Stanley Johnson, I think, is a good play, 5,100. Yeah, I agree with you there. And I also think Drummond could be really high-owned. Again, he was 45% or so owned on the last slate, and he scored over 60 fantasy points. So there's going to be a lot of people tr- uh, chasing that Drummond hot streak. And it's not really a good matchup against DeAndre Jordan. I think it's an okay matchup. Um, the Clippers are probably playing slower now with Avery Bradley and not having Blake Griffin. Because if the Pistons are going to play faster with Griffin, that means the Clippers are playing slower without Griffin. I know it's not a perfect trade-off because the Pistons have sort of reshuffled their offense but Griffin is an up-paced player, and I think this could be a little bit slower of a Clippers team going forward, and especially if those guards are out, uh, if Teodosic and Rivers are out. So I just don't like this game a lot overall, but I do agree with you on DeAndre Jordan. I think he will have to play big minutes. Um, I'm a little worried about foul trouble for him because it's a tough matchup for him. But I think he would be the one player I would use, maybe Stanley Johnson over DeAndre, but I don't really like this game that much outside of those two guys. All right, next game, the New Orleans... And the other thing also to keep in mind is that there is just going to be a lot of value on this on this slate. So 
I guess maybe we don't have to look too deep for plays in the uh, early games we talked to here. Uh, Pelicans at the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, Miritich and Anthony Davis have both been playing uh, a lot. Well, Davis has been playing well since Cousins gone out. Miritich is playing a lot of minutes with the Pelicans. But the Sixers are a top-five team by defensive efficiency. This is going to be an up-paced game. But still, I think that there's just better guys to pay up for on this slate, which is going to have me off of most of the Pelicans guys. Drew Holiday should have more ball-handling responsibility with Rajon Rondo moving to a bench role and DeAndre Liggins starting now. But still, I think 7,800 for Drew Holiday in a tough matchup in Philadelphia. Not really a, a strong play. I just think he's kind of okay, and there's going to be better guys to use. And then from the Sixers side of the game, the prices on Joel Embiid, 9,800. That's probably my favorite player from this game. And then Dario Sarge is okay to roster at 6,300 just because he's been playing really well recently. Uh, but once again, I think there's better games on this slate, even though the over-under is really high for this game. Yeah, I think Embiid is usable, but I think there are better expensive players. So maybe he's worth some exposure, but not a ton. Uh, I'll mention DeAndre Liggins also. I think he could be semi-popular. He was a trendy pick sort of on the rainout slate uh, where he didn't actually end up playing. Uh, he was only 10% on that. Yeah, I guess that that's semi-significant. I'll, I just wanted to say I, I have no interest in him. I don't think he'll play that many minutes even as a starter. So we, we haven't seen what it looks like when Rondo comes off the bench yet because even though the lineup was switched, the game never played. Um, I'm off Rondo and I'm off Liggins. I think that this, this sets up for Rondo to play a few less minutes and Liggins isn't going to play quite enough with his really, really low usage rate. I just don't think that either of those guys are in play. So I'm probably off the Pelicans entirely. Like you said, it's a tough matchup against Philly on the road. Um, their overall season numbers probably look decent in terms of matchup advantages for the opposing team, but Embiid doesn't play all the games. So those numbers are a little bit inflated by the games that Embiid has sat, and when he's in, the Sixers, like we've mentioned a bunch of times, are just a lot better on defense. Uh, so I think I'll have zero exposure to the Pelicans side and then just a little bit of exposure to Embiid. And then I guess Sarich maybe, depending on how much value opens up. Okay, so I think I have uh, what seems like a somewhat ridiculous take for the next game, which is Cleveland at Atlanta. So Cleveland has a completely new team now. They traded away, uh, let's see, what's the list of guys? Okay, They traded away Isaiah Thomas, Dwayne Wade, Amon Shumpert, Channing Frye, Derek Rose, and Jay Crowder. They got back Rodney Hood, George Hill, Jordan Clarkson, Larry Nance, none of whom are going to be available Friday night. So the Cavs have eight active players tomorrow. And I think every single one of them is a good play. I uh, think that this is by far the best stack spot on the slate. This is where almost all my exposure is going to be. LeBron is my favorite guy to pay up for. His usage is going to be massive. Uh, Tristan, The only two big men on the roster are Tristan Thompson and Ante Zizic. Tristan Thompson might play... 45 minutes in this game. Yeah, I, I think that's possible. Well, first off, LeBron is the guy to pay up for because the the blowout risk here, I think, doesn't exist. The Cavs are four-point favorites, and the total's 220.5, which is one of the highest. It should be close to the Pelicans game and probably close to Houston versus Denver. Um, so it should be a high-scoring game. LeBron's usage will be ridiculous with no Isaiah Thomas, no Kevin Love, and basically no one else. Um, so LeBron's the guy to pay up for. I think I'll probably have him in like every lineup. And then it's going to be hard to figure out which Cavs to use around him. I guess if you're playing multiple lineups, you can just kind of have various combinations of Cleveland. I think Thompson is the safest after LeBron 
because like you said, he probably will play a lot of minutes and it's a good matchup against the Hawks. I think it's Jeff Green. Yeah, I guess Jeff Green is the only other player that they have besides LeBron that actually has a reasonably high usage rate, right? Or, well, I don't really know anything about Zizic, but is he someone who would take a lot of shots too? Let's see. Let's bring up Zizic's numbers this year. I do like Zizic overall as a prospect, but he's played first. The, he's played in one game since December twelfth, and it was uh, one minute of garbage time against the Warriors. So how overall, do you how do you trust someone like that to actually get minutes? Is it just like does he have to play over twenty minutes because there's no one else? Like no, he doesn't. Yeah, I, I mean, guess he doesn't. Gonna, I would assume he's going to see the court because they only have. They literally have two active forwards. I mean, well, I guess Jeff Green also, uh, and LeBron, who I just kind of consider positionless. But in terms of, like, traditional big men, they have Tristan Thompson and Ante Zizic, and that's it. So if, if Thompson isn't on the floor, it would have to be Zizic on the floor at that time. But I, I think it's just a, a really decent chance, since Zizic played so little this year, that we just see, like, 40 minutes of Tristan Thompson a lot of Jeff Green, a lot of LeBron. I think the the guy, the two guys who are going to have significant usage ratings on the team I think would be LeBron James and Jeff Green. LeBron for sure. LeBron's usage should just be insane in this matchup. Uh, for the season, Jeff Green has a 20% usage rating, but a lot of that has been playing with players like Isaiah Thomas, Dwayne Wade, um, uh, Derek Rose at times. So Jeff Green is... is going to have to be the guy for the whatever 10 minutes that LeBron James isn't on the court. I think you're forgetting about someone, and it's actually someone that I don't think is a good play from the Cavs. Uh, J.R. Smith is still on the roster, and he costs 4800 I don't think he's, that... He's a, low, he's a low usage player, though. I mean, yeah, I guess he needs someone to pass at him for spot-up shooting, but J.R. Smith has definitely been a high usage player for certain games or just for other years in his career. Yeah, he, is, he is a 13% usage rating this year. It was 15 last year. It was 18 the year before. I would expect J.R. Smith is over a 20% usage rate for this game, though, just because there's no, there's so few other players. Like, if there's anyone... Kyle Korver isn't going to have a 30% usage. I mean, he's not going to do... I just think it's going to be a lot of Jeff Green and LeBron. Yeah, well, I think Smith is too expensive anyway, so I probably... I don't even know if I would roster him. Maybe if... There's a lot of exposure that we both have to stacking the game. Maybe it makes sense to have a little bit of J.R. Smith. I think he'll be popular, though. Like, I don't I don't think that he really should be in the player pool that much. I, I like LeBron and Thompson and Green yeah. a lot, but uh, not really J.R. Smith. Smith has been absolute dog shit this year. He's just a horrible basketball player, and he yeah, plays he's, a lot of minutes terrible. already. Um, I think we should... About opportunity. I think we should sort of... Uh, sort these calves out into who's safe, who's risky, and then I guess who is just has a high floor and a high ceiling and they weren't using for every lineup. So I think Green, LeBron, and Thompson are the guys that have really high ceilings but also have really high floors. They're the obvious guys. But then from the rest of the calves, who do you view as safe and then who do you view as more of like boom or bust? Well, all right. First, let me say that I think the starting lineup is going to be Jose Calderon, J.R. Smith, Jeff Green, LeBron James, and Tristan Thompson. Yeah, I think that's I reasonable. Think, I think it seems ridiculous to call Jose Calderon safe. Because he could play 30 minutes and do nothing. 
Yeah, so I'm going to say the safe players are LeBron, Jeff Green, and Tristan Thompson. But I still think that Corver, Calderon, J.R. Smith are viable GPP plays. Yeah, I think Osman would be someone I'd rather use than J.R. Smith because he's cheaper. Um, I'd rather use Corver than J.R. Smith. But I'd, I'd probably go with Smith over Zizic because there's a chance Zizic doesn't play that much. Um, so I think they're all in there's play. There's a chance that Osman doesn't play that much either. Yeah, he's at least played minutes recently, though. Like, I think he played over 20 minutes last game. Yeah, 21, 21 minutes against the Wolves. Some of that was part of overtime. But just the fact that he played in overtime means the Cavs at least have some regard for his basketball ability. I think that they, like, that's that's good evidence that they trust him a little to play substantial minutes. So, yeah, I can't he, see him playing played, less than that. He played over that. that game. He played over Corver? Yeah, Corver played 18 minutes and he played 21. Right, so like I think both those guys have to play twenty five plus minutes. Um, yeah, I think that's a fair guess. I don't think either of them are locks to play like, say thirty minutes, but they should both play decent minutes. Um, see, I'll I'll say Osman is a decent GPP play, and then Jose Calderon I'd say is a usable GPP play. I, I prefer Osman probably to Calderon. Um, just uh, to just to like I guess. We've spent a lot of time on the Cavs already, but I think in terms of lineup building, it's a little excessive to use more than four players from the same team in a lineup. I think the way I'll do this is go with LeBron, Green, and Thompson as the core for the stacks and then just have various plugs for a fourth spot from these other players that we've mentioned. Fair enough. And then other side of the game, Dennis Schroeder, very strong play. He's going to be guarded by Jose Calderon. Uh, yep. Which it's it's funny that the Laker of uh, the the Cavs who start with awful point guard defense have managed to continually make it worse. Where they got Isaiah Thomas back from injury, where it's like oh I can't get worse against point guards, can they? Then they have Isaiah Thomas, and now it's like oh well they're they're so bad on defense could get worse on defense against point guards. Now it's Jose Calderon starting a point guard. So Dennis Schroeder is also one of my favorite value plays on the slate for his price at seven thousand. Uh, what were John Collins' minutes today? Uh, there so was a John bit of garbage time there, I think. Oh, no, that game was close. Never mind. He's played 26 minutes the last two games. So I think Collins is in play at 4,800. He would be GPP only. Toyin Prince is GPP only. Uh, Dwayne Dedman is... Uh, oh, the other thing I forgot was Illy Sova got in foul trouble today, so that had an impact on minutes. Yeah, I mean, and, since... And, and, Bell, and Bellinelli was out. Yeah, but well, Bellinelli, I think, still will be out, or was he only no, being he held out? They, they left him home because they were expecting him to be traded today. They didn't find a trade, so now he has to come back to the team. Right. Well, since there's so much value on the Cavs, and since since the Cavs are so bad defensively, this is obviously a good spot for the Hawks. So I think I think the game stack mode from Atlanta would be Schroeder in almost all of those combinations, if not all of them. And then one of Torian Smith or Kent Bazemore, maybe you could go with both of them. But I think you'd have to go with either John Collins or Dwayne Dedman. I don't think those guys should be in the same lineup. So maybe you could go with three or four Hawks. And I think it's okay to combine Prince and Bazemore. They both could easily play down the stretch if the game's close. Uh, but I wouldn't use Collins and Dedman together. Okay. Uh, next game is the Indiana Pacers at the Boston Celtics. The Celtics are very good defensively. But the Pacers have been way priced down for this game. One thing that I do think affects it is we've seen in the DraftKings pricing algorithm when a player misses a game, 
because of the way it counts the recent box scores, it tends to price them down a little bit. So I think the combination of the Pacers having a bad matchup and their last game getting rained out. And Oladipo being out a few games before that, too. Yeah, I think it's just caused a lot of these players' prices to go down. So to me, I think Corey Joseph, Miles Turner, and Victor Oladipo are all playable for their prices. Yeah, I think with all this value on the Cavs-Hawks game, though, I won't really reach on Miles Turner. Uh, Corey Joseph's price is at... He's probably going to play over 30 minutes as a starting point guard. Yeah, I think I'd be more inclined to play Joseph than uh, Miles Turner. But there aren't a lot of expensive players in the Cavs-Hawks game. It's really just LeBron and then Schroeder's semi-expensive. So you're going you're gonna to have roster room to pay up for other players or at least pay for some moderately expensive players. Um, so from because of just the way lineup construction will work, I think Oladipo would be someone to have a lot of exposure to, but I might just be pretty light on the other Pacers guys. And then uh, no interest in the Celtics side for me. Yeah, they they have their full roster of players. Uh, Greg Monroe now. So, yeah, I, th- I think it's fair to just pass over them, even though it, it is a decent matchup. All right, Milwaukee at Miami. I think this is another fairly uninteresting game. Milwaukee side, there's just better guys to pay up for, and it's a tough matchup. Miami slow pace, one of the better defensive teams in the Eastern Conference. And then from the Miami side of the game, they traded for Dwayne Wade today for a second-round pick. He's expected to play tomorrow. He said he's going to play. So I think that just makes all of their guards pretty unusable. Uh, I think that Hassan Whiteside is a decent upside target at 7,400 just because the Bucks have been so bad against centers this year. And with Kelly Olynyk out, there's more upside for minutes for Whiteside. And then for a similar reason, I think James Johnson is a decent play at 5,100. He played 36 minutes last game with Olynyk out. Yeah, I think James Johnson's a decent play too. But again, there's so many players in that price range from the Hawks-Cavs game that I think I'll be light on him. Um, and then also for the same reasons that I'd look to pay up for Oladipo, Whiteside would be someone to kind of pay up for too. He's not as expensive as Oladipo, but it is a good matchup for him, and he is a little bit underpriced compared to what he's been recently. Um, So I think he makes more sense from a lineup building standpoint because there will be a need for more expensive players. And then at the same time, maybe Giannis, but we already mentioned Embiid, and I think we'll get to a couple other expensive players that would make sense as the second expensive guy after LeBron. So I don't think I would use any of Giannis. All right. Uh, Another game that I think has good stack potential. There's only two games I'd really want to stack on this slate, and that is Cleveland-Atlanta and this next game, Denver-Utah. This should be another really high-scoring game. But Jokic just isn't getting priced up enough. He's still at 8,900. I said this before. He was almost 11,000 last year when... uh, he was when they got rid of Nurkic, and he was just the sole big man on the on the roster. And I think we have a similar situation now with Mason Plumley out. So eighty nine hundred is just too cheap for Jokic. Triple double upside. He's a good play. Barton, Jamal Murray, Gary Harris are all fine plays. And then from the Houston side of the game, we have Eric Gordon is questionable to play. Um, who? Oh, Trevor Reza has been ruled out. I wish that James Harden was just priced up more expensive so we wouldn't have to consider him. I still prefer LeBron, but 11200 is too cheap for Harden in this matchup. I like Harden as a correlation with Clint Capella. There's a lot of players to like on this slate, but the two guys who I'm going to pay up for are probably either going to be Harden 
or LeBron, or maybe even try to fit them both into lineups together if there's enough value. 11200 is the cheapest that Harden has been since, uh, let's see, since January 24th in Dallas. And this is just a good spot from really up-tempo against Denver, who's not particularly good on defense. So it's hard to say that Harden isn't in play. Yeah, I think Harden's definitely in play. I think I would look to pair either Harden or Chris Paul with Clint Capella. Because Paul's only at 9,500. It's a good matchup for him, too. So I think you could use both guys. But I don't really have much interest in the Denver side. The Nuggets have played eight of their last nine games at home. And they're a lot better at home. I guess maybe it's the altitude. But for whatever reason, they play a lot better at home. And I think the prices might be a little too cheap for them. But in Houston isn't the greatest matchup. I don't know if there's really blowout risk. I don't, I don't think that that's much of a concern. Um, I guess you could go up to Jokic at 8,900, but I think I'd rather just play Oladipo or Whiteside or go up to Paul or Harden. So I think I'll probably just be light on the Nuggets because of how many choices there are. But also, I think they could be overowned because of this recent hot streak they've had where they've played all these home games. And this just might be a spot where they don't do that well because of the big home road splits they have as a team. Uh, let me look at the individual player splits from them. Cause I'm wondering how much that's affected their fantasy production. Uh, I mean, you could definitely, if, if, if I see like Jokic has really massive home road splits and I'd be way less inclined to use them. Yeah. I'll give you the, um, they're pretty decent. Jokic is shooting, uh, well, this is actually really weird. You get shooting 50% from the field on the road and 45% at home. That is but strange. more. He's scoring more fantasy points on at home than on the road. So is he averaging a lot less assists at home because maybe the other players aren't shooting as well, the rest of the roster? His usage rating is higher at home. He gets the free throw line a lot more at home, which is probably – which I think that is probably pretty significant. And I think there is something to that in terms of his actual – like I think that he's – do you think it makes sense for somebody to just be a fringe-type superstar player where they would get a lot more favorable calls at home and they just don't get them at all on the road? Well, in general, one of the reasons that home court advantage matters is because of officiating. Players just overall get more calls at home than on the road. Yeah, but to go from five free throw attempts per game at home versus two on the road is a, is a really, really huge split. Yeah, I think some of that would be style of play, and maybe there's a there's an effect where superstars get more calls because of just their status and refs kind of want to reward them. I'm not sure if that's true, but I think it's probably true that Jokic just plays a little bit differently. Maybe he's just a little more conservative in away games because just looking at the Nuggets numbers as a team offensively, I uh, closed out the tab, but I think it's something like five or six less points per game on the road and league average there is, I guess it's three if you're going from it's a three-point advantage at home, three-point disadvantage on the road, so it's a six-point swing. And then three of those points would come from offense and three from defense. So if the average team is three points worse offensively on the road and the Nuggets are twice that, <clears throat> I'm pretty sure that's what it is roughly, then there may be something more to it. It might be they're benefiting from other teams coming into Denver at the high altitude, or they just have the kind of players that, for whatever reason, are worse in road games. They do have Paul Millsap, who's... Uh, I think Paul Millsap's the one who had that weird statistical quirk 
maybe it was two years ago where he shot twice as many three-pointers in away games. He hasn't played much this year, so maybe uh, maybe Millsap is skewing those stats in some way or another. But um, either way, at Houston is not the greatest matchup, and I just think there's a lot of value on the slate. So I might just be off the Nuggets for that reason, even without the conversation about these splits. Uh, yeah, I think I think they're slightly lesser plays, but I, I'm still I'm still okay with using them, especially with Harden. I think I'm going to make some lineups like that, um, just because I don't. I don't want to only make Cleveland Atlanta stacks, but I think most of my lineups are either going to be Cleveland Atlanta stacks or Denver Houston stacks, and then just some plugins from the other guys that we, from other guys that we like that we bring up. Well, it is the second most stackable game on the slate. I'll agree with you there, but I guess the difference would be how much of a divide there is between stack spot number one and stack spot number two. All right, next game: Charlotte at Utah. Charlotte is going to be playing a road back to back in Utah, so that is a stay away for me. From the Utah side of the game, I think that Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, and Ricky Rubio are all in play. Uh, Ricky Rubio, to me, has been playing really well recently, but I think that people are going to gravitate really strongly towards him in GPP just because of how good he's been. So for me, he's a cash play and a fade in GPPs, and then I think that Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert are both fine to roster. Yeah, I, I like Mitchell and Gobert. I'm not going to be near Rubio. I think he's an okay play, but his ownership will be high enough that I just don't want to do it. Um, I'm just pulling up Derek Favors' game log because he's gotten priced down quite a bit. He was over 6000 I think, right when Gobert came back. Favors has been really consistent. I guess he could be someone who misses the cut at 5200 just because of the other value. But I think I'd maybe have a little bit of exposure to him with Mitchell. Uh, I, I do like Gobert more than Favors. I guess overall, though, this game is kind of going to be a pass because of all the other value we've mentioned. So maybe it is just Mitchell, and then Charlotte is playing Utah. So bad matchup for Charlotte. All right. The Minnesota at Chicago game from the Minnesota side of the game. This is another team that has a good matchup against Chicago, who has not been playing well on defense. Just the, the issue I have with the Minnesota guys is I still prefer Harden. I prefer LeBron. So I don't think that these guys are going to quite make the cut for me. Uh, Zach Levine is, I still think a bit too cheap because he doesn't really have a minutes restriction. Now he's playing over 30 minutes per game. So he is a tough individual matchup against Jimmy Butler, but I still think he's fine to roster just because with him playing over 30 minutes, I think that he could get to be around like a 75 to 8,000 price player, and he's well below that right now. So Zach Levine, fine to roster, not because of the revenge narrative or anything <laughs> like that. It's just because I think he's going to be much more expensive going forward than he is right now. Yeah, Levine was 6,600 last game, and his price dropped because of the matchup, but it is at home. I don't even know... If you consider home court advantage, maybe it's a slight negative matchup. It is a pace-up game against the Wolves, so with Butler's defense, I don't know, maybe that all cancels out. And we thought Levine was a good play at 6,600 last time, so at this cheaper price, I'm, and maybe even more freedom with his minutes, I think we're even more confident now that his minutes restriction is gone. This is another game where I just like one player. It's, it's Zach Levine. I don't have any interest in anyone else. All right. Uh, Portland at Sacramento. Uh, tail end of back-to-back on the road for Portland. Sacramento, bad team, but plays at a pretty slow pace. Portland plays at a pretty slow pace, so I don't think there's going to be a ton of points scored in here. 
Joseph Nurkic, 6,000 in this matchup. There's a lot of upside here. There's a lot of downside. I say that about him all the time, but it's because it's true. He's a GPP play, not a cash play. There's other guys I prefer to pay up for than Lillard or McCollum. From the Kings side of the game, no more George Hill, so that means more minutes for De'Aaron Fox. But still, him at 6,000, there's just guys I like better, and that's a really tough matchup for him against Portland. So I'm probably not going to touch the Kings side of the game. There's, there's better players to use on the slate. Yeah, and I kind of feel the same about Nurkic. I agree with you on Fox. It's just there's maybe a little bit of value, but there's a lot of good plays. And then Nurkic, I I think could be a little high owned. He's been good lately. It's at Sacramento, so it's a good matchup. But I I consider him more of a fringe play where if he fits, I don't know. Him and Fox are the same price, so I prefer Nurkic to Fox. But I think I probably won't use any of either guy. So Nurkic is somebody who I almost always have in my GPP player pool. Uh, it doesn't work out half the time, and then like half the time works out really well. Tonight is one of the nights where it's working out really well. He's played 21 minutes tonight. That's 21 points, 10 rebounds, two steals, and a block. Nurkic is either going way undervalued or he's going way overvalued, and there just isn't too much of an in-between scenario, but he's always priced for the in-between amount. So to me, he's just kind of a perfect GPP play. Yeah, I guess my thinking on him is if he's if I think he's going to be low-owned, then I'll play him, and if I think he'll be high-owned, with that dud potential, then I won't play it. I think he's never high owned though. Like he's been good a few games in a row now, and he's still ten percent owned tonight on a six game slate. Yeah, I guess I think he'll be higher because of how well he's playing, and there's going to be some recency bias because there's no there's no days off between these games. It's just the next game up. Um, yeah, I guess he he won't be that chalky. Maybe he's twenty percent for this slate, but maybe he's usable at, at that at that ownership level. Yeah, you're right. He he. No one ever wants to use him because he's he's very risky. So that is that is a fair point. Okay, so that is going to finish today's podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at gerenbergdfs. Matt's Twitter handle is at preaching sense, and we will be back on for Monday sleep.